Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast in association with Future Radio 107.8 FM. My name is Connor Southwell and join us this week, a Canaries correspondent, Paddy Davitt and Samuel Seaman. Um, as all of you, I'm sure, listening will be aware on Thursday, uh, obviously, the, the death of, of Queen Elizabeth II was announced at the age of, of 96. It launched kind of the beginning of, of well-rehearsed operations all across the country in, in all areas, something obviously that 90% of, of the people in this country haven't seen in their lifetime, the, the changing of a monarch and, uh, and one passing away. So that it, it's obviously had repercussions and some of that has reached football, despite government advice stating that sporting events could continue this weekend, some of which have the Test match um has, has taken place. There's plenty of rugby going on. Uh, the Premier League, EFL and the FA elected to postpone this weekend's matches as a mark of respect to uh, this country's longest reigning monarch. Uh, that include, obviously, Norwich City's scheduled trip to Burnley in the Championship on Friday night. It was called off uh, hours after, of course, the Palace's statement. And in spite of the lack of football, uh, Norwich City or otherwise, we thought we would sit down and reflect on a week that will be remembered in the history books probably for all of time, um, which is a really quite surreal statement to to, stay, to say. And, and especially when you consider everything that's gone on in the last couple of years with a global pandemic, the first one of those in 100 years, uh, various other events. I mean, Paddy, this has been quite surreal at times. Uh, we, we had the press conference with Dean Smith, as usual, on, on Thursday. Obviously, events escalated after that. It's just been take away the football from a purely sort of human being and living in this country aspect of it. It's, it's been one of those things that's been talked about and mentioned for so long without actually happening. Now it's happening and it, it still feels very surreal, all of the stuff that's happened in the last 48 hours or so. Yeah, it's not a bad way, way to describe it. It is surreal. Um, I don't recall in the previous 505 episodes talking about matters of a royal nature before, so that's pretty unusual. Uh, if you want to bring it right round to, to what we do for a living and what this platform is all about. But, um, yeah, uh, and it is. I mean, funny enough, I don't, don't want don't to embarrass Sam or whatever, but we were having a discussion in, on Friday, I think it was, about on the night when the news, just about half six, wasn't it, Thursday evening, when the, that sad news was delivered officially. Um, and I was sort of saying, you know, how much of it, the coverage thereafter did you watch? I don't think Sam... Uh, without wanting to speak for him, watch too much of the coverage, we'll put it like that. But uh, whereas myself, my wife, we kind of um, put our toddler to bed and then it was a bit, for the duration really, just that rolling news cycle, flicking through various news channels and not because uh, I'm a particularly uh, a royalist uh, per se, or but because it is, as has been already stated, plenty of places elsewhere, first time in all our lives that this event has unfolded and, and is it, an event of some historical significance for this country. And um, you only have to look at the impact around the wider world as well. You know, it, it is the only uh, item of news uh, for the majority of the of the globe at the present. And that's, you know, that is an epic thing to, to talk about and to be part of in some small way, given it's in this little island of ours. So, um, yeah, and of course, football, like the parallel you drew with the pandemic, Connor, football is in these circumstances fairly insignificant um, and irrelevant, basically. And uh, yeah, I just think it's, um, you know, it maybe brings home whether you're pro royal or anti royal, just kind of, you know, about decency and those sort of values that 
you know, maybe have got lost a little bit along the way in the, this 24-7 social media driven world we all live in now and inhabit um, with some dark undercurrents a lot of the time and, you know, some pretty troubling things going on around the world that, you know, there was there was a, a woman who, you know, didn't ask to be thrust into that role. She was born into it and had to accept it. But, you know, the selfless manner she carried herself for those 70 years on the throne um, and you only have to look at the, the affection and the outpouring of warmth towards her and her family subsequently. So, you know, it is a, it is a unique event in our lives and, um, you know, as was the pandemic. So it probably just feels like another episode in a, a period which we probably living through. It won't really fully appreciate until maybe, you know, we're in our dotage and look back and, and see what a seismic chain of events these last few years have been. And, you know, <laughs> given it was in the same week as our prime, our prime minister changed as well. It is, uh, yeah, quite, quite a, quite a period to be, to be part of. And uh, yeah, I suppose within that, of course, you know, the direct impact for, for the funds of Norwich city and us as reporters was, uh, was a no trip to Burnley, but uh, I don't know, we might touch on this debate now. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of people think that was the wrong call and that the game shouldn't have been postponed this coming weekend. Um, I personally think, that is a, a fitting mark of respect, and, and but 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 the fact that other sports have chosen to continue will clearly, you know, look uh, the people who've made those decisions in the EFL and the FA and the Premier League and the broadcasters, I'm sure, um, and maybe scrutinise those decisions. But for me personally, I don't have an issue with this weekend showing uh, the mark of respect to, you know, the former monarch. But uh, you know what that means for the midweek games. Bristol City scheduled to be at Cairo this coming Wednesday, and then West Brom um, a week today as we record Saturday week. Uh, who knows? But uh, I think I'll be less uh, less willing to support those games being called off. But of course, you know there might be factors out of the control of the footballing authorities. There's a lot to talk about the policing aspect of these two rounds of games coming up, and the impact given the funeral. I think has now been confirmed for Monday week. Um, that may have an impact onto next weekend's fixtures. So, you know, we'll probably be talking about this for a few more days yet. But purely as a as an event, um, yeah, I don't think we've seen anything like it before in our lives and probably won't again. No, it doesn't do much to kind of help the fact that the last few years have felt like a Netflix show, a little bit like a simulation at times. It feels like we're kind of watching stuff unfold on the, on the television, which is impacting us in ways that probably we, we never really expected or imagined. It's one of those things that's been, as I said, spoken about for so long. And and actually what I thought I'd do is kind of take you for a timeline of what I was doing on, on Thursday. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you boys had similarly interesting days and in, in the way it unfolded, but I was actually on for, for the Dean Smith press conference. So they started as normal. It was actually a 10 o'clock one, which is an hour later than, than, than perhaps they, they tend to be, um, I would imagine, because of Norwich City's sort of travel plans to head up to the northwest. Um, so it ended that at, at 10 o'clock. I, I got home. Um, I was actually watching the, I think there was a, some parliamentary debate around uh, the, the, the obviously the, the cost of living crisis and, and energy prices and was watching that. And as it was kind of unfolding, you began to see the notes getting passed around and then social media began to pick it up. And then we obviously had the initial statement at kind of midday. And um, that was then really interesting. I think throughout the afternoon, it then probably became slightly obvious the way it was heading in terms of the way that it was being presented and portrayed on on the news channels. Obviously, before then, we, we got confirmation, sadly, at, at half past six. Um, Norwich's game was then 
postponed a couple of hours later. So it ended up being quite a long day for various reasons and, and probably for reasons that we wouldn't have wanted. But there somewhere there are back pages that will will never appear um on that on that Burnley game. I think there was a full pinkin that did slip into into the newspaper because of various print deadlines. But it was it was just a very interesting day to kind of watch unfold and how it unfolded and, and trying to to respond to that. Sam, I mean what's 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 your last couple of days been like? Because this is you know, as we said, 90% of the country, essentially, unless you're over 70, really has experienced a different monarch. It's been always been the, the queen. Um, yeah, what, what's, what's it been like to you to kind of watch and experience um, this event, this historical event and, and kind of all of the stuff around it as well? Yeah, it's quite strange, really. It's one of those things where you almost build up the size of it in your own head whenever the discussion has, has come up previously that you know it's going to be this enormous thing and while it is and it's obviously as Paddy referenced taken over our televisions and taken over the news cycle and everything it feels quite surreal that it's actually happening you know like um it feels because we're not involved in it obviously we're not part of the family we're not part of any sort of protocol or or anything involved in that just watching on something that you know is massive but you have no impact on is quite strange I mean even you know with with our job it's as the sports team there's all these sort of you know everybody else in the company is basically the busiest they've been for years sort of thing and then we're on the outside probably having to produce less content than well at any time in in the year really because obviously the the pages are taken up by that that news and people want to read about it on the website so um yeah it's been quite a surreal few days obviously um some some debate around the the sort of footballing elements of it and whether things should be cancelled so um you know it's been an interesting few days in terms of how people have dealt with it but obviously uh quite sad and you have to feel for there'll be a lot of people out there that are deeply affected by this and um you know you can understand why so yeah it's been quite quite strange quite surreal um as you said and it's just it's like one major major event that doesn't feel real after another at the moment um, you know, with the way that sort of politics is going and COVID nineteen before that, and yeah, plenty of things going on in our lives. But I think, yeah, we've just had to sort of focus on on what we're doing, which, to be honest, is is less than usual, and maybe helping out people, you know, with our jobs that are more involved in in it than than we are. Yeah, I, I took my dog for a walk actually a couple of hours after the announcement was made, and it's probably only the second time ever that I've kind of walked around and felt a real sort of quietness, a natural quietness throughout and, and kind of walking past and it was dark and walking past various houses and every single sort of one had a news channel on. It was, it was, it was very bizarre, very surreal. I use that word again and, and how it unfolded. And obviously naturally because of what we do and what we talk about and what we cover, we'll, we'll shift the conversation to football. And I, I'm going to do that um, via a tweet from, Norwich City legend Darren Huckabee. He tweeted this uh, would have been Friday, as uh, as we as we look at it. We're recording this on on Saturday evening. Um, he tweeted. He's got twenty five thousand likes. I think um, Ben Stokes, England cricket uh, cricket captain, nonetheless, um, quote retweeted it as well. He said, uh, "What's people's thoughts on sporting events going ahead? Uh, might get shot down for this, in my, but in my opinion, I think they should go ahead. National anthem and armbands and crack on. Normal folk don't get time off, and it unites." the country and and also pat i think 
just to add to that, football, maybe beyond obviously what we saw with the pandemic, because it's kind of always been there as a little bit of escapism for people, irrespective of what's been going on in the world, um, various terrorist attacks, wars, um, maybe outside of this country, political matters, global matters, humanitarian crises, or crises, sorry, the, the various situations that people maybe look at and want to get away from. A football stadium has always been open on a Saturday, Sunday at the weekend for people to go and escape from matters outside of, of kind of what's going on. I mean, you, you kind of spoke earlier that the uniqueness of this situation makes it quite interesting. But what what are your thoughts on, obviously, the decision taken by the footballing governing bodies? And that's from all levels, Premier League, all the way down to kind of kids' Sunday football to postpone all fixtures this weekend. Is is that something that, that you feel, I mean, you kind of hinted earlier, is the right decision in, in, in the circumstances? Or do you think that they probably should have waited a little bit longer to see how other sports reacted to, to this situation? Well, I mean, the truth of the matter is kind of, I mean, we, all, we can all have our opinions. Hooks is right, you know, in many respects. I wouldn't disagree with that view. I, I just happen to have a counter view. I, I, I just think for this weekend, and okay, you know, you can talk about other sports and what they've done, but football is the national game. It is the national obsession in many regards. So I don't think football needs to necessarily look peer over the fence and, and because cricket is doing this or rugby are doing that, then feel they should follow suit. And and if they go in a de- different direction there, that is by definition the wrong way. There's no right or wrong in this scenario. People will feel differently just in terms of how people have been affected. You know, Sam was right. You know, there will be people deeply affected by this. And, you know, I've, watch countless interviews now of people stood outside Buckingham Palace or Windsor Castle or even Balmoral earlier today and talking about the former monarch in, in terms of like the nation's grandmother and, and feeling it was a, that, that, that she was somehow their grandmother, even though they never met her, was never in, you know, in her orbit, but that was the impact she had on a lot of people. So much in the same way that millions of people will be experiencing this and living it and reliving it in various different ways and, feeling that whole range of emotions. I think I think it's fair for people, if we bring it right back to should football have gone ahead this weekend, to have a, a, essentially diametrically opposed views. But doesn't mean one's right or one's wrong. It's essentially the situation is the governing bodies in, in discussions with DCMS, the government department, uh, I'm sure Palace officials had, had impact input into that. And we know there was lots of discussions sort of probably started Thursday evening late, but, but carried on Friday. And, and they decided, um, with the FA, of course, another stakeholder, that their mark of respect was for the national game to pause this weekend. And um, so I think a lot of my view is formed from, and I'm old enough to remember what happened when Lady Diana passed away um, in tragic circumstances uh, a good few years ago now. I haven't checked this back, but I, I do re- I vividly recall that the games, I think it was the Saturday night that, that news first broke or was confirmed and, and there was a Premier League game scheduled on the Sunday. They was postponed. I have a sense that there were other games postponed in, in the days after that. And for me, it was just the parallel of well, that's how football responded to a, another, you know, massively high profile royal figure in our lives who, who passed away um, with quite a, a sudden, you know, different circumstances obviously but nevertheless still uh, unleashed a seismic impact on the population so I think that's probably a lot of where my uh, opinion on this matter has been formed from was was what happened you know previously in terms of the reaction of the footballing authorities to, to Lady Diana but uh, by no manner of means would I say Hooks is wrong I, you know I, if the games had gone ahead 
I could see that as well. And and for the reasons that he states as well. And we saw, you know, I've seen footage today at the, at the, at the cricket, you know, um, God save the king, uh, as it was now. Now that was observed. And West Ham Thursday night, those games went ahead and Manchester United, um, the European action. And, and again, the reaction of the crowds at those two games. So I certainly would have had no issue whatsoever if we were at Burnley Friday night or more equitably somewhere on a Saturday afternoon covering Norwich City in the Championship. But the fact that the decision was made and that was the decision, I have no issue with it at all. As I said earlier, for me, it's moving forward now. It's the midweek cycle coming up and then next weekend. Um, if those games are starting getting postponed, I think I'd probably have a different view, if I'm honest, unless there are you know, factors completely out of the control of the national game and, and the, the stakeholders in the game, i.e., you know, as we keep hearing that potentially the, the, the demands of the, the police force uh, around the funeral Monday week dictate that, you know, major other major sporting events can't go ahead or major events per se that would require a police presence. So if that is the case, then, you know, of course, you know, we'll have to we'll have to respect that. But I, I'd have a bigger issue with the, the upcoming round of games if they're similarly postponed. Yeah, I've got. I've got to be honest. I, I have no real hard and fast opinion on on the postponement. I I can kind of see both sides. I can understand people who who maybe wanted the games this weekend to be played. I can equally understand why they weren't. Um, I, I also think that football wouldn't have been able to win whatever decision it, it kind of took because if they would have played the games, I think there would have been quite a large faction of people and probably public as well looking at it and and maybe suggesting that football was was out of touch with maybe how the country was feeling at this moment in time, as you said. 48 24 hours after the news had uh, had been confirmed um but also if the the fact they haven't played i think you've probably got a faction of people who maybe don't who aren't affected in the same way as others looking at it and saying well actually we'd just like to kind of crack on with stuff and uh, and that escapism point that i mentioned earlier and all of the stuff that that huck's references in in his tweet it's um yeah i i i can kind of see both and i i don't really say i'm not really in either camp to be honest i'm probably sort of look sort of on the outside of observing the, the conversation as it's going on without really maybe having a, a major view. What I would say is there's a, a good piece on uh, on my football writer that uh, Kathy Blake has, has written today. She's, she's part of the Canaries Trust, but the, the headline is, is pretty good. So I'll just read that. Uh, it says EFL games can be rearranged. The events of September 2022 cannot, um, which is quite an interesting way of, uh, of summing it up, I thought. Um, Sam, what's 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 your view on, on this and, and maybe football going ahead or, or not going ahead? What What's your take on it? I think obviously Hux's tweet um, got a lot of engagement and a lot of responses, again, from from both sides. Where do you sit, if at all, on, on this particular debate? Yeah, I'm the same, really, in terms of seeing both sides because, you know, it's very easy to sit here and, and talk about how um, how offended people could have been and how, how upsetting it could have been. And that's absolutely true. And I'll, I will talk more about that in a minute. But I do remember, you know, not too long ago for me now, probably five, six years ago, I was of an age where, and I didn't live near Norwich, but I was a, a big Norwich fan. And if I had had tickets to go to a game, um, which was, you know, fairly rare, and I then found out that that game would be, was going to be postponed, I would have been absolutely gutted. So I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not going to play down how some people will feel about their escape. And for, I think probably most football fans, the highlight of their week um, being postponed but you look at it another way and when you're making that decision to as you said you're going to upset one group of people right there are people that would have wanted the game to happen and people that didn't and 
is it more offensive to cancel or postpone a football game and have people miss out on that or to play a football game in an atmosphere where somebody who's very close to a lot of people's hearts has has passed away and uh, I think when you look at it in those terms it's a pretty easy decision to make in terms of what's going to upset people the least and if you look at it and football hadn't hadn't postponed and then all the other sports had done it would have looked incredibly poor on whoever had, had made that decision I think and, and the reputation of football in society is such that I think there would have been a sentiment of oh well of course you know that's what football is and that's what football fans are and I'm not saying I agree with that sentiment but I think there are there is a bit of a perception around the sport that there maybe isn't around others that probably hasn't helped them out in this situation so I think they probably for for the sake of the sport and the organisations involved in it they've taken the right decision and you know that's looking at it from quite a cynical point of view I also think there obviously will be people grieving and people upset and in the the sort of atmosphere that we're in well now as well but especially a couple of or a day or so ago um they probably have taken the the safe decision so um you know I can see both sides of it as you said and it's easy to to now say that I'm sort of sitting on the fence but it's just one of those things where it's very much down to personal opinion and you know either way you upset somebody so you can't really say that they've they've got it right or wrong because it could have gone either way um I t- totally take Hux's point and you know I agree with with, with some of it and and I, I do think there could have been a way and maybe that's the only way you, you see a compromise is that if they went all out on the tributes and really made it known that they were totally respectful of it then perhaps it could have been done in, in the right way but you know that's taking a chance and that's um taking risks where they had the option to not do that and, and that's the one that they took and I, I totally understand that. Look, it's, it's, it's easy, isn't it, to bash the kind of governing bodies um, in this situation, I think, for, for a d- decision made. But uh, I also think this is something that's happened, well, it's the first time in, in, in what, 70 years that, th- that this has happened. That's that's almost generational. That's a once-in-a-generation event that we're in at this moment in time. The, the kind of proximity to the weekend as well, in terms of how close it was before those matches were, were going to be played. Let's be honest, there's a lot of other things probably that are easier to criticise the Premier League over, um, the FA over, the EFL over. Um, this, I, I feel, I think it's a little bit harsh to throw it for them. If it would have happened on a Tuesday or Wednesday, for example, and then you've got maybe a day or two to kind of assess the situation, they did, they weren't really afforded that in this, in this circumstance. So I think they, they've probably had to make a quick decision and then stick by that decision, which which they've obviously done. Um, and, you know, as Paddy said, the, the, the sports that have continued the, the test match today, for example, the the players walked out to complete silence. It was it was really poignant. I felt obviously we, we had the, the the kind of amended uh, national anthem, uh, God's, God Save the King. And, and that was was an, an emotional moment as well. So there, there are different ways of, of doing it. Different sports have gone down different routes. And that's obviously the decision we've taken. I, I guess, Pad, as, as kind of you've alluded to on a couple of occasions now, the focus turns to, to the next two rounds of fixtures. Norwich City's next game in the Championship is due to be Wednesday night. Um, Norwich released a statement upon, or sort of, it was kind of a mini statement on top of the EFL statement, suggesting that they expected games in midweek to go ahead. Um, I was watching 
Sky Sports News earlier today. There have been obviously other reports um, across this weekend that have some reporting different things I think as, as the nature of the decision-making process is at this moment in time. But Sky were, were essentially reporting that um, some games may go ahead, some games might not. It's going to be kind of a case-by-case basis based on kind of external factors, policing probably being a major one because of various events that are going on in the country over the over the next few days. Uh, and then, of course, next weekend, Norwich are due again at Carrow Road to play West Brom. The funeral um, for Her, Her, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth has, has obviously been confirmed for next Monday. So that, again, creates some issues potentially around policing, having to be in the capital, etc. So there's probably some doubt around that fixture as well. Uh, I think that one's probably the one people are looking at maybe with a little bit more uncertainty at this moment in time. But, of course, that, that may change over the next few days or so upon any EFL update. But what is your kind of thought process on the next two games in terms of where we are because from where we are right now it feels more likely to me that we'll see Norwich City in, in action again on Wednesday probably then not next weekend that's how it feels to me at the moment and I could be wrong well it's it's, it's a basically a guessing game at the minute Connor and it's stitching together various reports which I'm sure can change by the hour in this kind of environment um I wouldn't disagree with that assessment. I think uh, midweek fixtures coming up, Norwich's statement, the tone of it, I thought the actual wording of it, I think it said to me about recommencement of fixtures from the Tuesday onwards. There's fixtures obviously on the Tuesday, scheduled fixtures. Norwich's is Wednesday night, Bristol City uh, at Carrow Road. Um, and what I'm doing now is just scrolling because the issue I would have for the West Brom game, if that's to be postponed the weekend, essentially the weekend of, of the funeral, uh, albeit that's going to be on the Monday, is that preceding that is the international break. So Norwich, if they don't play against West Brom, October the 1st, trip to Blackpool. Um, we're on the 10th of September as we record this. So, you know, that in itself, whether that'll be a factor, I don't know. In terms of if the football authorities have any leverage that they can bring to bear, if the negotiations are centering around games potentially not going ahead this coming weekend is that off the back of that is an international shutdown essentially for the clubs and that you know in what is a world cup season unless we forget with already a, a month-long pause factored in um, and then you add overlay that it's the championship and it's 46 games and uh you know precious few uh few days in the calendar left that you know you begin to see some some of the complicating factors and that's again purely in the rather inconsequential nature of football and professional football and, and trying to work around potential issues that may come to pass. But um, as I said, if essentially police say they're not able to cover footballing events this coming weekend, then the decision's made. The footballing authorities will not be able to proceed. So really the, the, the answer is probably, um, or, the, or the outcome will hinge on, you know, what, police forces around the country um, are able to do and whether whether it'll be a, a, a geographical you know patchwork quilt of some certain forces will say no we can even if we're required to send uh, you know resource to, to the capital for, for the for the, the funeral um, we can still man footballing events in our patches then I would see no issue with games proceeding rather than a blanket um, the whole programme goes as it has done this current weekend and then of course we'll see what that means in terms of Norfolk's finest and whether you know 
whether those discussions, I'd be amazed if those discussions, even at an exploratory level, haven't already started with the football club, the relevant people at the football club, because they'd be remiss not to be scenario planning in that regard um, for these, certainly the, the weekend coming, but, 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 but first and foremost, Bristol City. But um, we'll just have to wait and see. There's no real point in speculating, is there? Ultimately, the games will either be on or they'll be off. And at the minute, uh, the expectation is that the, the midweek programme will be on. And ultimately, I think the funeral date has only really been confirmed today, Saturday. So it's going to take a few days yet, I think, for that to to be worked through now and um, for all the relevant stakeholders to get together and discuss what that in practical terms means for other major events scheduled to take place this coming weekend now. So, you know, until we get to that point, might even not, might even be middle of the week and we're still waiting for clarity on that one. But as we sit here on Saturday afternoon, I'm fully expecting to be at Car Road Wednesday evening for, for the visit at Bristol City. Yes, absolutely. Um, just finally, before we kind of move away on on to other matters, um, I just did just want to say it's um, been really good to see various football clubs donating, obviously, food that they would have had um, for, for games this weekend to various local um, organisations and, uh, and community groups and food banks as well. That's That's been good and, and is a sign maybe it gets missed amid all kind of what Sam said earlier about the perception of football perhaps more widely, but shows the good that football clubs can do in their community. So that was uh, that was good to see, just to, to end on that. Um, if we if we shift back to, to kind of football matters, I suppose, in the traditional sense, Sam, which is probably a bit more kind of home turf for us, really. Um, Milo Rashica's low move uh, to Galatasaray, I don't actually think it's been officially confirmed by Norwich yet. I think probably lost in, uh, in, the, in the new cycle that we're in, but he has joined Galatasaray and that's, that's been confirmed at... At their end, uh, we, we were expecting this to go through. Dean Smith confirmed at Thursday's press conference it would go through and explained why it, it, it was going to go through as well. Um, we've obviously done a piece on, on the app today, kind of all of us giving our thoughts on, on why it hasn't gone right for him or why it hasn't worked out in perhaps the way it, it was um, well, it was hoped certainly for a player of, of his calibre and CV and, and the transfer fee that Norwich City paid for him. What do you make of this decision to let him go out on loan at this stage where in the last few weeks he's been omitted from matchday squads and it feels like other players have kind of clawed their way above him in the pecking order? Yeah, I think it makes sense. And um, the fact that I feel that way shows how rapidly he's sort of fallen down the pecking order, really, because remember the start of the season, um, even that Cardiff game, I thought, despite him being not particularly impressive, I thought he's he's a, a really good level player and he could well rip up the championship. But, you know, I think you see it. There are certain types of performances where you can tell this is going to be a long-term problem, maybe more than with other performances. And I think the, I don't want to say attitude in, that we've seen in, in his matches, because it, I don't think it's sort of over laziness or um you know lack of hard work but you just get that sort of that sort of vibe off his performances so far this season that he wasn't particularly happy being there he didn't see himself spending the season in the championship um and i think for that reason it works for all parties really the fact is you know he's he's played in the bundesliga for a number of years he was courted by the likes of liverpool and aston villa and when he signed for norwich i think the understanding among everyone that saw that signing was very much if Norwich go down, he won't be he won't be going down with them. Um so as soon as they went down, it felt like a little bit of an inev inevitability. But 
the obviously the lack of interest was was certainly something that I think surprised the football club and also surprised the the wider fan base. But then when you look at it and try and find the reasons, um, Norwich were relegated with twenty two points. He scored one league goal. I think he got two assists, and um, I think one or two of them might have been from from corners as well. So he didn't have a great season personally. The only reason Norwich were able to get him in the first place was because he'd struggled with injuries and poor form at Werder Bremen, who had been relegated the season before. So we're actually looking at one of those players now who, you know, and you see them all across football now. There's the likes of Deli Ali. I think Todd Cantwell was in that sort of pattern at the start of the season. He's one of those footballers now that's trying to resurrect form that he's shown previously. And clubs are now looking at him as a player who they know has got it within them, but they need to find it from somewhere. And unfortunately for Norwich, they weren't, they just weren't able to do that. But you look at it another way and had he not shown those sorts of weaknesses in his final year at Werder Bremen, would they have been able to get him in the first place? Would he have been so cheap? And, um, you know, had they maybe splashed £15 million on him, which admittedly, admittedly was unlikely, but let's, let's say they had, they'd now be in a much worse financial position. So, um, you know, it's not it's not all bad. I think it it felt relatively inevitable once they got relegated. Um, and these sorts of loan moves, I think we see them across football now that the market is quite deflated. Obviously, other than the the sort of Premier League level, and I've written a piece that's just gone out on the app for more on that. But you know, elsewhere across the football world, the the market is pretty deflated, and clubs aren't wanting to commit sums. So I never saw Rashidza leaving for the amount that Norwich paid for him, to be honest. And I think this was what we could all see coming um, from a, a long way away. And it is a shame because he's clearly a very talented player. And if he had found a way to make it work at Norwich and Norwich had found a way to make it work, I think he could have been ripping up the championship now. As it is, other players have stepped up and taken their opportunity and it doesn't look like Norwich will, will miss him. We know how uh, how football fans are. And it could be that in three months, if they lose a couple of games in, in a row, People will be calling to, to have him back, but um, yeah, he certainly hasn't done too much to get goodwill with Norwich fans. And um, from the response to our coverage of his transfer, I don't think there are too many heartbroken supporters of a yellow and green persuasion at the moment over the deal. So overall, it's one of those ones a little bit like Pialis Malou. Um, good deal for all parties, and I don't think anybody's particularly upset about that. One to probably revisit in a year or so, because you can be sure Stuart Webber isn't going to want to cut his losses on that transfer outlay. Yeah, what was it? One one league goal and uh, and two assists. I think one of which was was this season teeing up Max Aaron's score against Wigan. Um, it's not good enough, is it, for for a player that Norwich City shelled out nearly nine million pounds for, um, which is among obviously the, the biggest transfers that the club has made in, in its history. So, uh, and I think it would have been if various add-ons would have been activated. So um, yeah, just, just not a good enough return. I totally get what you mean. There was kind of a disinterest around, not maybe disinterested a little bit harsh, but he looked like a player who maybe wanted to be elsewhere. I think that's probably a better way of saying it, particularly at Hull where he, he just looked like the body was willing, but the mind wasn't really there. Um, it, it didn't feel like, and, We've, we've obviously had some quotes from Pierre Malou today, Saturday, as we're recording, um, speaking about how pretty much when Norwich were relegated, it, it became clear to him that he wanted to move on. I think it's, it's probably the same with Milo Rashica and, and Dean Smith has, has alluded to that as well in kind of some of the statements that he's made when he's been asked about him over the last month or so, saying that he was signed as a Premier League player and expected to be playing at that level. And 
that adjustment to a lower level of football, which is more intense, more physical, games are relentless, can be quite tough for some players. And, and also players that maybe you'd look at and go, yep, those ones should excel at this level. Um, one thing that Galatasaray have confirmed is is the amount of money that we that we're spending on his wages. So that's 1.3 million, I think, of uh, of English pounds, which is works out to I think just below, just over 27,000 a week, um, which is interesting. It's not usually a detail that, that that we get given with with transfers. Probably the difference in terms of the the Turkish um, market compared to, to Norwich and how they how they're perceived uh, England, sorry, and how they're perceived. Uh, Galatasaray also signed Juan Mata. Maro Arcadi as well. So they've got, they've signed a fair few names this summer. Um, they didn't win the Turkish title last year, so we'll we'll obviously be keeping an eye on on Milo Rashica's interest. But Pad more more broadly, I mean his and it's interesting kind of the time that we're talking about this. But his arrival, as I said, had the potential, similarly to Christos Solis, who also departed the club on loan this summer, to be a club record transfer eventually if various things worked out. The, those two deals have probably done little for the perception, rightly or wrongly, that some Norwich City fans have, that when the football club spend money on players, Ricky Van Wolswinkel, Leroy Fair, Stephen Naismith, I think it's probably a bit harsh to throw Tim Closer in that bracket. I'm sure some will. Um, now Milo Rashica, Christos Solis, people would have put Josh Sargent probably in that bracket before the last uh, two months or so. When Norwich City spend money relative to themselves it doesn't feel like it particularly goes well. I mean, the last player who really comes, who really came in for big money in terms of Norwich City that perhaps succeeded is, is probably Dean Ashton. Is is that fair? Well, you put me on the spot there, Connor. That's a lot of transfers in the intervening period. I'm sure there's a few. Alex Pritchard, maybe? Yeah, well... Made a profit. Was a success? Pritchard? No, I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't label him a success. I no, no. no. Um, Good player, but it just didn't do it, did he, after a period of time? Uh, probably that injury at Cambridge did for him, to be honest. I tell you so, what, I'll do. while you're talking, I'll get a list up of Norwich City's transfer fees and I'll we'll, go through them and, and we can maybe see if there are any green green light ones in there. I mean, certainly Rashida would be in the debit column, spanning multiple club regimes and sporting director slash chief exec types. Um but you also made a good point. Josh Sargent, two months ago, is in the debit column. And look at him now. And I think that was the hope with Rashita that at a lower level, he would rip it up, for want of a better phrase. And uh, I did, I remember distinctly asking Dean Smith post probably Lee Malou's exit, because we know that Dean Smith sat every player down at the end of last season and gave his thoughts unvarnished and told them where he fitted into his plans and wanted to hear what they felt as well. Conversely, Lee Malou was very clear that. The championship wasn't for him. But Dean Smith, when I did put that to him, said, no, he's come back. There's no issues at all. We talked about his body fat and, uh, you know, physically he was in a, a better shape, he felt, during pre-season. Absolutely no issues with with the guy not wanting to be here. But his performances, or lack of, on the pitch didn't show me anyway that that was the case. So he didn't fancy the championship. It's quite clear. Dean Smith clearly doesn't fancy him right here, right now. If you're not even making a match day squad, let alone an 11, the game is up. And uh, it was no surprise to me that eventually when we were saying it from pretty much the end of last season at him and Jolis, that they probably wouldn't be here. Obviously, when the domestic window closed and then the main European leagues, um, you felt like that was his opportunity gone. But uh, probably pays just to see what other leagues uh, open slightly longer in Turkey. They certainly, they certainly like a whole profile signing, that is for sure. And, um, you know, I think Mata and Icardi's days are behind them, the best days are behind them. But... Uh, it's quite a statement from the 22-time champions of, of that country, no less. You know, 
in in Turkey, they are a massive, massive club. Serial European um, playing seasons as well. So they have a lot of cachet. And if he goes and has a good season, then I think that'll, at the very least, I think probably his bridges are burnt here with Norwich, but at the very least, it should inflate his uh, his value on the market that they, they may be able to recoup some of. Unlikely, I think they get all of that money back. Unless he has a wow of a season in Turkey, but uh, that will clearly be the hope. They're obviously not going to say that. Dean Smith, parting shot was still like he packaged it with Zolis. They'll come back. They're still under contract. And uh, if they've performed, and to be fair, he brought Sinani, he brought Hernandez back into the fold. I know they were not originally out on his watch. That was Daniel Farker. But there was two returning loan players he looked at, like the look at, and has brought them into the fold. So it isn't beyond the realms. But it probably hinges, I think, on Norwich's league status. If Norwich are in the championship again next season, Mia Rashica isn't coming back to play in the championship because he didn't fancy this time around. So I think the best exit strategy now is he has a good season in Turkey. That puts him in the shot window and uh, there's a club willing to to pay as much of the, the initial outlay Norwich uh, splashed on him last, uh, last summer. But... Um, it's sad, really, because I think there is a player there and, and you look at his body of work in the Bundesliga, maybe, as I, as I wrote in that piece you referenced, maybe it's just, you know, it's the wrong time, the wrong league, the wrong club, um, because there's clearly a player of some ability. You know, you look at his career thus far and the clubs he was linked with when he was his star was really on the rise in the Bundesliga, bigger clubs than Norwich, let's be honest. Um, yeah, he now finds himself unable to make it in Norwich and, and gone out on loan to Turkey. So he needs to get a hold of his career and, uh, and start pointing it in the right direction again. Otherwise, he's not going to fulfil his talent. And he's 26. You know, he's not a 21-year-old. Um, the clock is ticking. So be interesting from afar to watch how he gets on. Zolis is a different kettle of fish because of his age and because, you know, he was very raw when he arrived at Norwich. If he has a good season in Holland, then maybe still... A future for him at Car Road, but I think uh, Rashid to his game over basically. It's just how it ends now. Yeah, I would agree. Um, we've gone on uh, off on a fun little tangent. So, what I've got here is the list of uh, well, it's, it's, it's all of Norwich City's um, kind of record transfers, I suppose, but we'll, we'll limit it to the top 10. And I'm gonna just chuck the names at you, and you can both give me a yes or a no as to as to how successful you think they've been. There's, there's probably one or two in there that, that may be too early to say. So you can, we'll go yes, no, or too soon to say, um, and we'll, we'll do it that way. This is according to the transfer marked. Um, so I'm not going to read the fees, but th- this is just obviously, they're probably broadly right in terms of, of the sums of money that Norwich have paid for them and where they, they rank. They're maybe just not necessarily in the right order. Um, Yannick Vilsker is 11, so uh, 11th according to this list. So we'll give him an honourable mention. That one wasn't successful. Um, Yannick actually, actually sat down with Yannick. I think there's there's an interview on, on the app uh, with him about his time at Norwich City, which you can go and, and read because he was very honest about maybe why it didn't work out. Right, let's start with Ben Gibson. Paddy, yes, no, too soon to tell. No. Sam? Uh, no. Alex Pritchard, Pad? No. Yes. Sam? Yeah, yes. I think they made a profit, so fair dues. Very true. Josh Sargent, Pad? Too soon to say, you know, too soon to say, but he's tracking towards the yes column, that's for sure. Yeah, same. I think if he carries on, he's worth that in the championship these days. This one's interesting. Robbie Brady. Yes. Yes. Excellent player. player. And made a profit again. Yeah, Ricky Van Walswinkle. (laughs) Bad. Disaster. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, quite a fat no for me. 
Uh, Gabriel Sarr is fifth. So I think he, he's definitely the too soon to say column. Uh, Tim Closer in fourth. Pad. Yes. Length of no, service. Uh, Length of service. I mean, you're not going to recoup on his age when he arrived at Norwich. You're not going to recoup the money that they they paid. But but spanned a very turbulent first season under Farker and he was a major confidant. So, you know, in a roundabout way, injury probably robbed him from being seeing that first title win to the end because he was in his side before he got injured. So I think in a very turbulent period under Farker and Weber, he was he was he was the glue. I think he was only really he was worth what they paid for about ten games before that injury in the Premier League in his first season. And then after that, you know, very decent operator, but probably not worth the fee. So Definitely worth though. definitely worth it for the Ipswich equaliser alone. Uh, <laughs> yes, number, number, yeah. number three, Stephen Naismith. <laughs> Next. Next. Uh Milo Rashica second. I mean we've kind of discussed him. Yeah, it's a no, isn't it? No, Sholis is the last one. <laughs> which which will, will well maybe too soon to tell. So I'll throw it to yeah, you. Yeah, we could we could look quite silly if we say no and then but yeah, I don't get the feeling we will, to be honest. Well, I'd put, I'd, I'd, sorry, Sam, I'd say a bit like Sergeant, too soon to say, but different to Sergeant. He's tracking in the no column, towards the no column, I think. Yeah. He has a major U-turn. I'd agree with that, actually. Bit safer. What I'm going to do now, I'm not going to ask you, we're not going to do the same thing, but this this is from 11 to 20. Um, I'll just read the names because they're interesting. 11, uh, Yannick, again, according to Transfer Mark, might not be right uh, in terms of fees and where they rank, but all Norwich City signings and all, Norris, all players that Norris City paid fees for. Um, Yannick Vilsker is 11th, according to this. Dimitri Shunulis, 12th. Gary Hooper, 13th. Dean Ashton, 14th. Angus Gunn, 15th. That fee is definitely wrong. So that, that maybe shows that we should take this with an element of a pinch of salt. Um, Nelson Oliveira in 16th. Leroy first, 17th. Fadis or DJ Afoe, who has subsequently gone on to play Champions League football since leaving Norris City. He is 18th, according to this list. Carl Lafferty, 19th. Sam McCallum, 20th. I mean, in terms of that list, there's, there's not too many players that you would say were hits, really. So to kind of look at that and then ask a similar question, Pad, when Norwich City tend to go in the market and spend money relative, big relative to themselves, it doesn't feel like there's a huge amount of success that they've had. Well, that list is completely to cock because Nathan Redmond should be on there somewhere, yeah. surely. And Well, uh, I, can, I can tell you where he is uh, on it, probably. But and he, he, was he was definitely a success, both in terms of they made money on him, but also, you know, he was a key figure capped by that wonderful team goal in the playoff final in 2015. So where's Nathan Redmond? I demand to know. 44th, um, right. which is, which is uh, interestingly, below Onel Hernandez and uh, Ben Godfrey from York, which definitely isn't the case. So that goes to show how wrong yeah, the list is. Right. But, you know. yeah, I think we've shot ourselves in the foot. I shouldn't have thrown that one in, but we've completely <laughs> undermined transfer mark as a source of some repute there with that. Well, I think, I think the top, the top 10 are, are relative. I, I would say they were relatively right, probably not in the right order. And there's probably maybe some players on the outside who should be in there and probably maybe a couple in there who shouldn't be there. But, you know, it was a fun little game. It worked. I think. Fair enough. Yeah, well done, mate. Off the cuff. What we'll do now is we'll obviously throw it open to people to listen to the pod, to get in touch with us and make their case. If there's any players that maybe we have mentioned as not be or 
I haven't mentioned, but as Pat and, and Sam have referenced as not being successful that you think have been or players that they felt were successful that maybe haven't been. Uh, and you would like to argue their case or your case as to why maybe the answer is different or why you agree with them. You can, of course, get in touch uh, on our social media channels or you can uh, email us as well. Um, uh, the pinkin at archon.co.uk is probably the best address to use since it's uh, shiny and new. Um, I think that is about it, unless you guys have got anything else you want to talk about. What, what I will mention is Norwich City are hosting on Monday their uh, emergency general meeting uh, with four resolutions, of course, surrounding Mark Atanasio. We, we've spoken about this uh, to death, really. So you can um, you can obviously go and read about that and, and what it all means and, and what the letters to shareholders are and what the various resolutions do um but obviously we will um we'll, we'll bring you news of of that as it happens uh, we're not expecting mark atanasio to be there we're not expecting the meeting to be a particularly long one uh, it is just literally going to be a, a case of voting on those resolutions there's going to be no question and answer session um as planned anyway at, at this moment in time so we'll see what comes from that but i think the expectation is that norwich city will have uh, a new board member come probably Tuesday or Wednesday when uh, a bit of paperwork has been sorted out and, and various bits finalised. So that's going to be very interesting in itself. Of course, we'll bring you all the updates um, across the next week or so surrounding fixtures as and when they drop, whether they're going to be on, whether they're going to be off. As we sit here right now, we will be at Carrow Road on Wednesday for that game against Bristol City. Um, of course, you can uh, follow all of our coverage um, pinkin.com but also on the pinkin plus app if you get to uh, take a trial out for that you can go to pinkin.com there is a tab in the top left that says pinkin plus click on that follow all the instructions you can get a month's uh, free trial in there not just written content but video and uh, audio as well um, for you to uh, to get your eyes and ears um, on and, and into um, as well pads sam thank you very much for joining me in what's been a very interesting pod um, where we've had to talk about maybe issues that we wouldn't really normally talk about or tackle so as is uh, the the state of where we are at this moment in time thank you very much for listening as well uh, i hope you have uh, an enjoyable week um obviously an interesting situation i'm sure all of us will be watching see how it kind of unfolds as we live through a moment in history which is kind of a, a very rare thing to to have to do so we'll see what transpires from here thank you very much for listening and we'll see you again very very soon